Good morning. Well, man, it's good to see you this morning. Um, thank you for bearing with us, being a guest this morning, and just packing it out in here and filling every chair um, as much as possible. Now, Allie has a bunch of chairs by her. No one wants to sit by Allie. Come on. Come on, Allie. Allie's about to get married, y'all. It's going to be good. That's why no one wants to sit by her. She off the market. Hey, really excited for what God's doing this morning, and uh, as you know, it's uh, crazy technical difficulties. Uh, man, I think the devil's trying to get us this morning. Does he ever do that? I don't know if he does, but uh, our elevator broke. Uh, we, we've had sound issues. Our, our computers crashed. So, so many other things. So I'm just letting you know, like, bear with us. Bear with us, and we probably should pray again. So let's pray. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for who you are this morning. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just be glorified in every way, God. And we just pray that you would come, Lord, as we just anticipate Christmas. Christ with us. Emmanuel. God, I just pray that you would move in power this month. Jesus, I pray that you would illuminate yourself to those who don't know you and those who need to know you more, which is all of us, God. So, Father, I pray that you would do that in Jesus' name. Amen. How many are excited for Christmas? Excited for Christmas, you know, as we were doing our morning rally with our Ignite team, I was talking about how Christmas is an exciting time. I mean, that's when the Xbox is coming, the PlayStation 1, your Christmas list is being fulfilled, all those great things are happening in your life, but also know that it's not so good for people. That this is also a holiday that reminds us of people who won't be there this Christmas. This Christmas is, is a lot of times up for people, but it can also be down for people. And, and so you may find yourself all over the map today. And I don't know where you are, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to speak to you. I'm going to ask that the Holy Spirit would speak directly to you and that through this message that you would gain um, access to the Father to know how much He loves you in a deeper and greater way. I love Christmas. I love Christmas with kids. When you have kids, it makes Christmas really fun. Uh, Benson, Benson loves Christmas. He loves gifts. He loves opening them up. His, he's lot, like his mama loves gifts. You know, if you just want to love Brandy, just give her something. She'll love you forever. You know, and, and Benson's like that. And he's anticipating Christmas. Like he's excited. He's excited for putting out the Christmas cookies and the glass of milk for Santa Claus. Anybody, anybody ever do that? Um, growing up, you, you put out the Christmas cookies and, and the glass of milk and, it kind of looks like this on your on your um, fireplace or or whatever it may be. Like this picture right here that's coming up right now. This this one? Nope, it's not. It's not coming up. I don't know, man. He he calls he calls Santa Claus ho ho, which we think is so funny. He goes, "Hey, Dad, is ho ho coming? Man, I'm so excited for ho ho! Hey, look, there's a ho ho! He'll point at random people with big beards and just call them ho ho, which is not good." Anticipating Christmas is an amazing time, man, and I know that we're all excited for it, but as we anticipate Christmas, what does that mean? Is that that we start anticipating Christ? We have this anticipation for Christ coming, Christ revealed. And that's what I want to talk about over the next couple of weeks. What does it mean that Christ is coming? Christ is revealed. What does that look like for us? And as we do that, I want to talk about heaven's plan this morning. I want to talk about heaven's plan for us, that, that heaven was planning Christmas for hundreds and even thousands of years. We have, we have a, a timeline of, of three intervals, th three things that happen. We have the Old Testament, and then we have the intertestamental period, and then we have the New Testament. 
Now, in the Old Testament, you might remember that, that Abraham was a family chosen by God. And, and this family was entrusted with God's promise and what God had for their life. It, it, he began to bless them in so many ways. He began to multiply the people in his family. And this was the family chosen by God. That, that, that this was God's people. And we see Abraham's life. We see how he, he went through so much. And, and then we see this moment where in the Old Testament that, that God was not enough for people, that they wanted an earthly king. And you may remember this. They, they would rather have an earthly king just like the, all the other nations. And so God granted them their wish. Uh, God granted them their desire. But, but just know if, if you get a king, you get all that comes with an earthly king. You get bond servants. You get people who are taken advantage of. You get taxes. You get all sorts of stuff. It's no longer um, my law at play here. It's going to be the king's law. And so are you ready for that? And they were like, give us a king. So God gave them a king. We had Saul come, and we had David, and we had some good kings. But mostly we had a lot of bad kings, a lot of evil kings. And as they were evil, they were turning the people of God away from God. They were turning them away. It's much like some of your coworkers turning you away from God. Right? Some of your classmates turn you away from God. It, it, that's what was happening is we had these kings in power, and they were turning people's heart away from God. And that led us into this moment where, where they began to be captured by Babylon and the Babylonian rule where they actually took all the Jewish people and they, they enslaved them and they began to rule over them and they actually destroyed the temple, the, the house of God. They, they destroyed it and what did they do is they, they took advantage of them. This is a, we remember this moment of Daniel and, and all those people under the Babylonian rule. Well, eventually, like kingdoms rise, kingdoms fall, don't they? Um, believe it or not, the United States won't always be around. You know, it's crazy. Don't say that. Blasphemy. Right. We've seen this throughout history. Nations have have come to rise and they come to fall. They're not going to last forever. There's going to be one kingdom that lasts. One kingdom that lasts. And so in this moment, um, they the we have the Cyrus began to the, the Persian Empire started taking over the Babylonians, and as they did, they released the Israelites or, or the people of Abraham back to their place, back to um, Palestine and that region in the world, and they began to uh, rebuild the temple. You remember, may remember this, Ezra and Nehemiah, they rebuilt the walls and rebuilt the temple, and this was a moment for them, and it was an exciting moment where the temple was rebuilt, and they started putting up sacraments and different things like that. And it was, it was amazing, but, but kingdoms rise, kingdoms fall. And Persia was taken over. And in the intertestamental period, this period of about 400 years, right, between the Old Testament and the New Testament, so many things happened, didn't it? We, we, we see that the Greeks began to take over. At age 19, Alexander the Great, who was prophesied that he would take over and, and overthrow the Persian government and overthrow the Persian nation. At 19, he was he's this guy, this Greek, who, who overthrew it and began to rule. And it, it was amazing, right? Um, he, he began to do all this, and he began the Hellenization of the people. He brought Greek culture in. He brought Greek language in. In fact, Greek uh, became the national language of, of that of that culture of that center. It became the language known around the world, and, and that was much due to to Alexander the Great. We know that the New Testament was written right primarily in Greek, and that's because Alexander the Great 
brought this national language about and they begin to speak in Greek. And so we had this whole moment. And then um, and, and in this moment of 400 years, we call it the, the years of silence. And the Bible, it, it actually stops in Malachi. And as it does, for 400 years, God remains silent. It is, there's no rec recordings of him speaking to his people. doesn't mean God wasn't moving or God showed up. God did. He did many things. But in this moment, the, the Bible stops for 400 years. And there's all this war and all these things happening. We, we read about the, Macca the Maccabees. We read about how they, um, the Maccabean people began to overthrow the Greek empire, right? And they began to revolt. And why did they do that? Because here in this moment, that evil king ruled in, in Greece. And as he did, he began to um, take advantage of the Jewish people. In fact, he, he had them sacrifice a pig on the altar in the temple. How blasphemous was that? He had them do that. He wouldn't allow the children to be circumcised because he was trying to do away with the Jewish people. And that was a covenant between God and, and Abraham and his kids. And so they couldn't circumcise. They, they were having to sacrifice on the altar of pigs, which is blasphemy. They had to do all these things against God's law. It was like spitting in God's face. And how many of you know you can only spit in God's face so long before somebody's going to rise up, right? Before you get a little angry. So the, the Maccabeans, they, they began to revolt and they began to take their independence and they began to fight and it's an incredible moment where they restored the temple. And, and you may remember this Hanukkah where, where they, they get the menorah and they, they, they light it, right? And the oil from the menorah lasts eight days. Eight days. It was like a miracle. And so every year in the Jewish people light the Chinooka, which is, is that how you say it? I'm not sure. Um, the Chinooka. Thank you. And so... Um, and and it, had, it had nine candles, right? One in the middle that can be taken out representing the, the oil that lasted. And each day they light a different candle representing the eight days of God's miraculous power of how he supernaturally provided this oil and, and um, the temple was retaken. And then we fast forward in this 400 years. We have the Roman period where Rome took over. Rome started occupying. Rome was ruthless. Uh, they put into play Herod. You may remember Herod, and, and you may remember that Herod actually, when he heard that the Messiah was going to be born in Bethlehem, what did Herod do? He went in and he killed all the children under two years old, believed to be around, you know, maybe five thousand kids that he, he that he killed. That's that's how serious Herod was. We have all this happening. All this happening in history. All this happening for four hundred years, where where God seems to remain silent somewhat. And it's kind of silent, and there's all this strife and all this thing. And, and what is happening? The world, as they knew it, began to anticipate a Messiah, anticipate the Christ, anticipate who he would be. And we see all these angelic appearings, appearances happening within the Bible. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, and then also find Matthew chapter 1. We'll be in those two places. This is a moment where the angel appears to Mary. Luke 1, 26 through 33. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee, house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings. O favored one, 
the Lord is with you. She was greatly troubled at this saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. We see this moment. Can you only imagine that 400 years of silence and an angel appears to you? That, that would be freaky. And not only an angel appears to you, an angel telling you that you're going to have a child. And you're going to be a virgin. And it's going to be the son of God. And it's going to be the Messiah. And he's going to take over David's throne. That, that's pretty shocking. Some of us get shocked when we hear from God now. We have the whole Bible and we hear from God. But what if there was 400 years of silence? 400 years we didn't really see God move. 400 years we didn't see much. And an angel appears and he speaks. There's all these angelic things happening in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. This is a crazy moment. So Jacob, he's betrothed to Mary, Mary, and as he's betrothed to do that, we have this moment, right, where, where he needs to hear from God too, right? How many spouses know that? Like, your spouse hears from God, and you're like, I can't hear from God too if we're going to do that. You know, anybody else, like, like I, need, I need to hear from God. We, we, we both have to hear from God right now. You know, like, is my student really going out of state for college? Is, is some of that happening? I got to hear from God on this moment. I got to hear from God. And, and that's exactly what Joseph had. Now, I love it because the angel, right? When the angel shows up, what begins to happen? Fear. Fear. You get afraid. Has God ever done something supernatural in your life and it kind of takes your breath away? You get a little fearful. Get a little afraid at first. You're like, oh, what was that? Right? Because it, it's not anything natural. It's supernatural. And when the supernatural encounters the natural, the, nat the, the tendency is for a little bit of fear to rise up. And, and then what does God do? He immediately silences fear and brings peace. Because that's what he does. When there's fear in your life, God will immediately speak and bring peace to the situation. Because it's his presence. And that's what's happening here. We see in Matthew 2, 13. And when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child, for the child to destroy him. And in Matthew 2, 19 through 20. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. But those who sought the child's life are dead. We're seeing multiple encounters with angels. Multiple encounters where God was silent for 400 years, and in a moment, angels start showing up and start speaking, and the supernatural starts happening immediately. And it's not just one encounter. It's not just... Angels showing up to Mary. No, angels showing up to Mary. Zacchaeus showing up to Joseph. Showing up in so many ways. We see angels appear to shepherds in Luke chapter 2. And in the same region, verse 8, 
There were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. And we see angels appearing again to shepherds. So it's not just one person. It's not just one encounter. It's, it's not like other religions that where people make a claim where they heard from an angel. No, this is angels coming to multiple people around the, the, the Messiah coming, multiple angelic encounters. When God remained silent, he showed up 400 years later. In Matthew chapter 2, we see another supernatural experience when they saw the star, verse 10. They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. They fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. We see this happen again where there's a supernatural star that shows up, and, and these shepherds know to follow it. We can conclude that because they had a dream, just like Joseph had a dream and other people had a dream that the angels told him to follow the star, that the Messiah has come, that this is their Savior. Angelic encounter, angelic encounter, angelic encounter. There is much to be said for what God is doing in this moment. There's much to be said for it, that as there's 400 years of silence, there's a moment where, where the world was anticipating the Messiah. The world was anticipating the Messiah. And the question today is, how are we anticipating Christ this Christmas? How are we anticipating in our lives, in, in your life, in, in your family, wherever you may be, that, that there is a choir of angels proclaiming it, and there's no longer a moment of silence. That it's happening over and over and over again. There's, there's an ex example here with Andrew Clavin. Now, now I, I, I'll, I'll say this right now. I don't know if I agree with his political views, but Andrew Clavin is just an incredible story of what God has did. He's a novelist, a screenwriter. Um, he's, done, he's written so many things. And he wrote a book called The Great Good Thing. And he talks about this moment where he's introduced to Christmas. He's a Jewish man and grew up in Jewish traditions, but he was always mesmerized by Christmas. The lights, the decorations, the colors. Oh, what is this? There was a nanny that actually watched Andrew growing up. And, and one time his family went away for Christmas and left Andrew with his nanny. And, and he tells the story that he went to his nanny's house and they were celebrating Christmas. And there was all this stuff. And he went to bed at night. And, and as he did, there was one of those, like, crazy Jesus portraits, you know, the weird ones. Like, the ones with the halo over the head and the blonde hair looking at you that doesn't probably look like Jesus. He said it was creepy. Like, man, it's kind of creepy at night. Like, man, this is creepy. This guy's looking at me, you know. You ever seen that painting where you move and wherever you move, it looks at you? So weird, right? 
So that's what was happening. And, and he was kind of freaked out. And when he went to bed, he, he was like, oh, man. But he played all day, so he was tired, so it didn't matter. Really, he just went straight to sleep. And then when he woke up, he saw the painting again. But he says in his memoir that it was actually different, that I actually sensed a moment of peace. I almost felt like the painting was saying, hey, I've been watching over you all night long, right? And so he has moments like this where he starts to have these Jesus encounters. He has this moment where, where life was getting pretty pretty rough, and he sat down with a friend over a beer at a pub, and they would have talk about philosophy and life and talk about Christianity, and, and it was moments like this over and over again that happened in Andrew's life. When Andrew really was going through a hard time, he remembers the baseball player Gary Carter. Anybody remember him with New York Mets? Gary Carter, right? And Gary Carter said this one line, he says, sometimes you just have to play in pain. Says this one line before he wins the World Series. Sometimes you just have to play in pain. And as he was going through a depressed time, as he was going through a rough time, it's actually that line, that quote by a Christian baseball player stuck with him. Sometimes you just have to play in pain. Sometimes you just have to get through it. And it gave him hope. And there was all these moments that happened. His wife gave birth at home, and she had a midwife, and the midwife was Christian, and she talked to him about Christ. And he begins to explain all these moments through his childhood and through growing up about how Jesus encountered him and showed up. Eventually, Andrew Clavin gave his life to Jesus. He gave his life to Jesus, and he, he forsook a lot of his Jewish tradition, and he started following Christ. And, and I just petition you that that. Andrew was anticipating Christ, whether he knew it or not. And you and I have the same story where we've been anticipating Christ, where there's been moments that have happened in our life where we're never changed, where we're, we're changed forever. We see this throughout the Bible, right? Andrew, Andrew, the, the fisherman, Jesus came to him. We see Paul on the road to Damascus that Jesus came to Paul with him. With an encounter. We see the Ethiopian eunuch as he's driving in his car, right? And he's riding his car and he's looking at the book of Isaiah, right? Here comes, here comes somebody to share the good news. Philip, share the good news with him. Share Jesus with him. We read about Lydia in Macedonia where she hears Paul preaching and she hears the good news and responds to it. And, and so we see this in multiple moments and not just for one people group. And it's not just for one gender, but it was happening across the board for all people groups and all genders that Jesus was showing up. He was drawing people to himself. Because that's what Jesus does. He constantly draws people to himself. He constantly reveals them. Do you remember when Christ showed up for you? Do you remember those divine moments? Remember the conversations that you had when you were a kid or maybe a picture that you saw or a painting or a book that you read or a quote that you remembered? Do you remember the moment that Jesus showed up in your life? Because he's constantly showing up. And 2,000 years ago, heaven was anticipating Christmas. Started showing up with angels and angels started moving and, and revealing that the Messiah was coming and said, get ready, it's coming. And it was moment after moment after moment that Jesus was revealing himself in the New Testament after 400 years of silence. And this Christmas, we get the honor and the joy 
to remember Christ. What are we anticipating for this Christmas? Some of us, we get to hang out with our family. A lot of us don't want to do that. Some of us is hanging out with our friends. Some of us anticipating that, that present that you've been asking for or that bonus that you get every year from your workplace. Or, or maybe you've been anticipating just some time off. Man, I can't wait till Christmas. I, I actually get to be off. It's going to be nice. But I would hope that we would intentionally set our hearts and schedules to anticipate Jesus this Christmas. We've put together a 21-day devotional that you can do with yourself and your family. And the ushers will be handing them on the way out today. I'm really excited about this devotional because Pastor J. Tom from Lewinus wrote this whole thing. And so it's really cool. But we're doing this series. We're doing this series with Mid-Cities Church. And so you're doing this with 2,800 people. 2,800 people. There's 3,000 people going through this devotional this Christmas anticipating Christ, setting our mind on Christ, setting our mind on what it's about this Christmas, setting our mind on what we're supposed to do. Are we anticipating his presence? Are we anticipating his power, the power of God that you need in your life for him to show up? Are we anticipating the hope that he brings in hopeless situations? I was sitting down this week with several guys and they were telling me what's happening in their life. And for one of the first times, I was speechless. I was like, man, I don't know. I have no idea what to say to you. I, I can't give you anything. I, I, I'm out of words. I wish I could just solve it for you, but I can't. That's when we need hope the most. Not hope in your present circumstance, but hope in Jesus and who Jesus is. We need hope in him. Are we anticipating life? The life that Jesus gives. The life that he gives to you and me. You know, this Christmas can be a great time or it can be a hard time. That's the truth. But if you invite Christ into it, it's going to be amazing always amazing it's never not amazing for some of you it's going to take some courage if you're like me i'm passive aggressive anglo that's what we are <laughs> hate confrontation don't know why i married a latina i i don't know but i did and, and if you're like me it's hard to start the conversation it's hard to bring about the conversation that Jesus talk. You know, it's like when you're about to go to bed with your family and you know that you're trying to be the spiritual leader in your life and in your household, but that, that big old lump in your throat is just sitting there and you're like, okay, I got I to gotta lead. I got to say something. I got to pray. I got to talk about Jesus. I, I have to do this. Okay, let me wait till the lights are out. Okay, now we're on the bed. Okay, now I'm going to say a little prayer, right? <laughs> I did it. Man, we're spiritual. My family loves God. It takes heart to open up your mouth and say, hey, let's do this together. Let's sit around. And we haven't done this ever, but this is going to be awkward. I'm telling you right now, it may be awkward. But let's just do it. 
Let's try it one day. Let's try it the next. And try it the next. And give it a week. Give it two weeks. And I'm telling you, Christmas is going to be so much different for you. Because you were intentional. Would you stand with me this morning? Before you leave today, I want to pray for you. If you see people moving, it's because the ushers are preparing to hand out the devotionals to you. But I want to pray for you this Christmas. Because I don't know where you are. I don't know your circumstance. I don't know your family. I don't know what's been happening. But Jesus does. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. God, that you are a good, good father. Perfect in all your ways. God, I thank you that this Christmas we can anticipate the arrival of Christ in our homes, in our life. Jesus, would you be ever present in this moment? Would you give the leaders of the house the courage to lead well in this? Father, I pray for supernatural moments. I pray, God, for healing and reconciliation for families that are going through a hard time right now. God, for those who are going through difficulty, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would meet them right where they are and say, peace be with you. We love you so much in Jesus' name.